Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, yo, Tennessee Homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Presented by Twisted T. Doing great, brother. And, man, we got camps, of course, going all across the SEC. We hit on a lot of East teams. I didn't even mean to do this, Shane, but, you know, sometimes genius is is purely by accident. And uh, (laughs) last episode, we talked a lot of the East. This episode, we're going to talk a lot of the West. And we got the debut of the the coaches poll, Shane, which – I know we don't care too much about these rankings, and we, we certainly don't spend a ton of time on them week in, week out, but the first ones are always kind of fun, so yeah, uh, I'm ready to, to do on a little deep dive on the coaches poll here. Yeah, me too, man. Man, we got we got hit today over here in East Tennessee with a pretty bad storm. I hope everybody's all right out there, uh, but we had, we had no power for like four hours, man. Felt like the 1800s, you know. We're running around here with candles, starting to get hot in here. And I don't know what's going on with all the footballing, you know, that's going around the country. So as soon as the power came back on, I spent a good 25 minutes scrolling my feed to see if I missed anything because the news is flying out today, Mike. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, I bet during all that mayhem over there at your house one thing that was completely secure shane shout out game time sidekicks and that uh, stainless steel cup you got there the podcast brought to you by game time sidekicks head on over to gametimesidekicks.com and use that promo code at the checkout sec for 20 percent off your entire order this is a small business shane and so many people ask us how do they help the podcast more than anything else, Shane, we do all these shows. They're always free. They mm-hmm. always will be free as long as people take advantage of these sponsorship opportunities. That's how we're going to keep this. Oh, well, game time is here. <laughs> but, th- Shane, this is NCAA officially licensed tumblers here, sippy cups. I even got dog bowls for my dogs that are going crazy <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Cannot recommend Game Time Sidekicks enough. And again, all this information in the show notes. Game Time Sidekicks, promo code SEC for 20% off your entire order. And I spent 45 minutes like an idiot looking for where to put the promo code. Just continue to check out. And when you get to check out, that's when you put it in. And it's going to bump your percent up to 20%. So come on, help us out here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but all right, buddy, let's uh, start. Let's just go by the coaches poll. That way we can hit on a ton of these SEC teams. And real quick, I'm going to go over uh, what do we got here? It's like seven teams that are ranked in the preseason coaches poll, Shane. Number one, Tennessee. <laughs> About time we got some recognition. <laughs> no, number one, of course, Georgia. Even though they're they're playing the disrespect card, Shane, 61 first place votes out of like 60, I think 66, 67. Uh-huh. So, Virtually everybody in the country has got Georgia number one. No debate on that one. Alabama. Well, oh, Mike, let me oh. let me throw this out there because uh, okay, okay. uh, I wanted to throw this out there. Chuck Dunlap, SEC Chuck, everybody knows him. Put out there, November 1st, 2020 was the last date that a team from the SEC was not ranked number one in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I mean, what an incredible stat, but I got to be honest, Shane, I'm not surprised at all, are you? (laughs) No, no, I just want to throw that out there in case the Big Ten and the Big 12 decide to power up again, you know, and become the giant conference that will never be number one. (laughs) Next up, Shane, Alabama, number three in the preseason poll. They got four first-place votes. They're the only other SEC team to get a first-place vote in the preseason coaches poll. LSU, number five, no surprise there. So we got three of the top five in the preseason poll. Your Tennessee Vols, not kidding this time, Shane, number 10, preseason top 10. That ain't bad for Josh Heupel and company. Mm-hmm. And then, Shane, I'm already catching you, blowback. Uh-huh. Oh, I, you know the last time Tennessee was preseason top 10 in the offseason? 
1998, baby! (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure it's not uh, 99? I mean, I would have thought, I think 98 they came out of nowhere. I think they were like preseason 20. No, I just, I I read something off Twitter. It wasn't fact-checked, so we're just going to roll with it, Mike. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) And I'm already catching some blowback here, Shay. Why the hell am I throwing these in? Because they're SEC to us, brother. We're embracing Texas and Oklahoma. They're next on the list. Texas, preseason number 12 in the country. Come Give you an indication now. of uh, you know the hype with the Longhorns. Annual hype there. <laughs> we'll see if that translates to the <laughs> SEC or not. Number 19, Oklahoma, coming mm-hmm. off. Uh, you know They had a down year, but still respect there for the Sooners in the top 20 preseason. Ole Miss, Shane, 22 in the oh. country. And this is the only one that I object to, Shane. And, hell, we've been singing this team's praises. We're not – I'm not sitting here crapping on them already. They haven't even played a game. But I think they got to earn this distinction before we just throw them up there again. And that's Texas A&M, who rounds out at number 25. Do you like Texas A&M being ranked? Do you think they should have to earn it? Or uh, are we giving them the benefit of the doubt? Kind of like we are, you know, the – not us, but the pollsters, Texas and Oklahoma, you could certainly argue they didn't do much to, to earn a ranking here. But uh, what's your thoughts on A&M being 25th in the preseason coaches poll? I, well, I mean, uh, here's here's the thing about these rankings, Mike. And and I, I'd like to – I'm an idiot. And so when I hear coaches poll in my, yes, in my little brain, I think – the head coaches putting in a vote is that is that kind of how this thing works or am i just is that just that's, dumb that's how it's supposed to be but okay so each team has a vote basically uh right. on each, the ranking um and it's not all the head coaches i don't know how many they do but i know there's only about six or seven this year from the sec that are casting a ballot in this thing and and it's really not even the coaches, Shane. It's the sports information directors. I'm sure they run it by Coach Saban and say, yeah. who you want? You know, Saban's not – he ain't got time for this nonsense. You know. What? Yeah. No, no, no. And, and, and that's, the only reason I say that is because I think Texas A&M is a top 25 team. So I think they do belong in the top 25 here. But I get it. I get some of the negative people out there that think they've got to earn it, If, like you said, but – no, I don't think so. I think they should have been. They should have finished last year in the top twenty-five. They just didn't. So yeah, right. I, I'm 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 okay with them here. Okay, so then these are the teams Shane not yet in the rankings, but right outside. And and this is kind of where I want to put my focus. Just while, while we talk about this, which of these teams you think really they missed the mark should be ranked, or maybe even if they're not quite ranked, should be higher on this list. So let's run through these real quick, Shane. Number 27, South Carolina Gamecocks. Seeing a lot of upset fans down there in Columbia. We mm-hmm. should be ranked. Whooped Tennessee. Whooped Clemson. Finished strong. So that there's some debate there. Number 28, Florida. That, that's stunning to me, Shane. I mean, yeah. this is another one. <laughs> they got to earn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not on the level of A&M. But, uh, well, hell, I mean, technically they had a better season than, than A&M. But, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. Kentucky, number 32. Mm. That's kind of the one I've got circled right now. Arkansas, 35. I think they, I think they deserve a little bit more respect than that. Auburn, 39. Mississippi State, 42. And I guess I already know the answer, Shane. Missouri Tigers, 44. <sighs> Who, who gets more? Who should be getting more respect out of the coaches? <laughs> well, this is teed up nicely. M I Z, baby. They should be in the top twenty-five. I, I, I think it's a. I think this is an absolute joke. You know, because you're saying forty-four teams are better than Missouri right now. Put them on a neutral field. See what happens. Yeah. No. No doubt. Missouri. Hell, basically all these. I. I don't know if I would. We got Just, high expectations. Random number, Mike. Who's number uh-huh. 36? I don't even know. I don't have this list here. Do you have it? I do not, no. Oh, well, shit. I shouldn't have done random then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even care. You know what? You shouldn't, Mike, because that's disrespectful. I mean, these lists, they, they I try not to give them too much because it really doesn't matter. Not at the start of the season, Mike. It's mm-hmm. Now, it may, 
at the end of the season, we're going to obviously care where they're ranked, and but they'll have a body of proof behind them. So I am not using it. this. These teams that have left been left out, and I'm looking at you, Mizzou. I'm looking at you, Arkansas. I'm definitely looking at you, Kentucky. You know, mm-hmm. South Carolina, right there on the on the fringe. You guys should put this in the locker room, and I know they will, man. This is the material they need to fuel them this season. The fans are bought in. the 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 players are buying in. You know, now it's time to 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 go out and show why you belong in the top 25. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not worried about this list at all because it's going to change in three weeks. Well, yeah, I hear you. I don't, I'm not worried either, Shane, but I'm trying to throw a bone to these fans. So just quickly, my thought, you nailed it there. I, I think Kentucky should certainly be ranked. I think we give it to South Carolina. And, hey, I've been down on this team, Shane, but I can't sit here and say A&M's got to earn it and then – turn a blind eye to Mississippi State, who won nine games and brings back some key pieces, they have earned it. So why the hell are they sitting here at 42 when they beat a lot of these teams? So I would rank Mississippi State as well. I think they should be a top 25. I don't know if they'll finish there. Uh, You know, it's a rugged, rugged SEC West. But you got to give Mississippi State more respect than number 42, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Hell, I even forgot him off the list. That's, I'm part of the disrespect. <laughs> Sorry about them, Bulldogs. All right, Shay, let's uh, kick it o- around the SEC. And we got, you know, this is a unique time for, uh, you know, like we had Bobby Petrino clips on the last episode. We'll never hear from him again, Shane. And yeah. same deal with Tommy Reese and uh, Kevin Steele, Alabama's coordinators this year, because that's, that's the rule. That's the rule saving put in, so Kirby's got it, and Jimbo's got it, and many others. You get to talk to these guys one time, and by God, you better hope they give you something because that, that'll be it for them. So let's start with uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator down there. So much uh, speculation on, on what Alabama will look like, who the quarterback will be, what's this guy from Notre Dame doing who, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, they're happy they left. he left from up there. Uh <laughs> So let's kick it over first to Tommy Reshane on the fact that uh, – and, and I like these comments. I, I know I give, I've given him a very hard time this offseason, but it would have been stupid for him to come in here and say, hey, we're running the Tommy Reese system. Yeah. Everybody get on my page. He's He knows who the boss is. He's going with exactly what Nick Saban wants to run down there in Tuscaloosa. Coach, in the past, rather offensive coordinators that have been here, like Brian Dayball, Mike Loxley, obviously Bill O'Brien, they say – Coach Saban wants you to learn the offense as opposed to bringing in your own system. Is it almost like going back in time and learning a whole new offense? And how steep has that learning curve been for you? Yeah, first of all, I think it's the right way to do it. Um, You know, there's been a system in place here for however many years. And you have players here that are familiar with terminology, with what you're trying to accomplish. And so to say one guy's going to come in here and change everything would be the wrong way to approach it. You know, I full heartedly agree with that. you know, the learning curve is what it is. I don't, I don't find it to be too steep at all. You know, I think when you have a general base knowledge of the game, there's only so many run plays you can run, only so many pass concepts you can have. It's just training your brain to switch how you call it. Um, so really it's not, wasn't a steep learning curve at all. Um, you know, this offense obviously has been prolific over the last decade. And, um, you know, to come in here and say we're going to change all these things would be foolish. You know, there are certain things that we want to do or alter or, you know, look at to enhance it, but a wholesale change would never make sense. And so, um, you know, there are still times where, you know, you got to remind yourself, hey, this is, you know, we're calling it this. And again, we have a great staff, great support staff with our analysts and GAs that help us, you know, with all those issues and all those little things. But um, our players have really bought into what we're asking them to do. And, you know, for me to come in and learn the system was was really a smoother transition than maybe, you know, I anticipated. All right, Shane. So again, I mean, that was promising to hear and you know Nick Saban has made it very clear I love his Tommy Reese I love this guy I love the hire and I I thought it was funny uh I think it was when I was on with Paul Feinbaum Shane he said I never heard him say that about Lane Kiffin you know (laughs) (laughs) uh you know I I think with Tommy here man it's it's like kind of what he's saying here we didn't need him to reinvent the wheel down there in Tuscaloosa, but obviously there were some moments last year that you were scratching your head saying, this ain't Alabama. 
What are we doing here? I think I think obviously they're going to get back to a little bit of that ground and pound. You're going to hear some players talking in a minute, but but I, I I think that that's the key here is is making the good decisions, not changing the offense, but being a little bit better scripted and and, and situational football. You know, right? And I just want to give a shout out, Shane to uh, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, the quarterbacks at Alabama, because it is just assumed nowadays, and for good reason, because it happens so often, but when you bring a quarterback in via transfer, then by God, quarterbacks are leaving via transfer. But that has not happened down here at Alabama, Shane, and I think we'll kick to Tommy Reese here in just a second, but I think he's dead on. It speaks to the culture. I think what it really says is these two players are not quitters, they're not going to run for a challenge. And obviously there's only one football and only one quarterback can play on the field. And they got four or five down there at Alabama right now and, and three vying for this starting role. And one of them has obviously played for Tommy Reese, so you'd think he'd have a, you know, an edge in that competition. But uh, that's not the way Tommy Reese is seeing it when we're talking Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. Kind of piggybacking off that, what does it say about both Jalen and Ty that they stuck around after you bring in a guy from the portal, and what kind of progress have you seen from those two? Yeah, I think they've both improved greatly from the spring. You know, I think there's been an extra buy-in, you know, since spring ball ended and just doing more and doing extra to get themselves prepared. You know, I think it shows, first of all, a great amount of character, a great amount of competitiveness for those two guys, but it also shows a love for their teammates and a love for being here. And, and honestly, it speaks volumes about the program that guys want to stay here. And so I think it's really special that, you know, in this age of college football, especially at the quarterback position when guys are so eager to leave, that two guys looked at an opportunity to stay here, to care about their teammates, to continue to improve. And, you know, ultimately we're trying to build as healthy of a room as we can. And they understood that competition can bring out the best in them. And, you know, they've been great, you know, the entire process, you know, throughout. And, you know, I don't expect that to change. Now, there's some speculation, Shane. I know it's early, and everybody wants to know who's the quarterback going to be at Alabama, and I don't think there is an answer because they've, I don't believe they've come to that determination, Shane. But mm-hmm. don't be surprised at all if both these guys play and they play them in packages because they're so unique. Jalen Milrow is such a gifted athlete, and Ty Simpson, you know, he's got the the most potential, but – you know, I, I I have been hearing a little bit of that. I think we could see packages for both of these guys, which would be pretty interesting. And maybe that all goes out the window if it's Tyler Buckner who's the starting quarterback. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was important to sit here and, and you know, everyone bashes these guys and, and they when they leave. You know, like I said, so many players hitting the portal. We need to kind of honor the guys that are sticking it out and, and clearly because they love Alabama and they want to lead the Crimson Tide this fall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it, that's the piece we, we, we've we talked about. I think somebody gave me a hard time because we put revenge tour out there in like three years in a row. You know, <laughs> I mean, how many revenge tours we're going to have? But I, I, I feel like, that, you know, obviously this quarterback situation, if it could get hammered out early, Alabama's got a really good shot to have a hell of a season. Mike, that, my, my eyes are going to be glued to that MTSU game. I think, yeah. you know, getting ready for Texas the following week. These they're going to have multiple quarterbacks out there. And, and I don't I wouldn't make that an alarming sound, you know, I'm not worried if I see multiple because I think they're going to have their idea of one, maybe two guys in camp ready to come out and they're going to be able to separate that the first week and then all of a sudden whoever wins that job is going to going to be playing the entire game during texas that's how i imagine it happening but again you know you got new oc you got new eyes on the program and and who knows how this thing exactly plays out but they got three capable guys down there to to run this system we need a game manager mike we don't need we don't need bryce young you know, we don't need right. Tua. We need somebody that goes out here, doesn't throw interceptions, doesn't make dumb mistakes, and let let the rest of the offense win these games. Yeah, and I, I think that's well said, Shane, because uh, that's kind of what J.C. Latham at, at Media Days was saying, and that's what's been echoing here in camp, Shane. Tyler Booker, their star offensive lineman, was asked about uh, – it was, it was kind of a funny comment. Tommy Reese wanted to be an offensive lineman if he could do it all again, and – and then he gets into the identity that these Alabama 
a lineman want to have his fall. And if, if they're able to pull this off, Shane, I think they're going to be pretty damn good down there. Yeah. Tommy Reese says that if you go back in time and play a different position, he'd be a pulling guard. First off, what, what do you think about just from his personality about how he'd do at that? And then second of all, what is it like having an offensive coordinator that kind of likes that tough, hard-nosed uh, mentality? First of all, I don't think Coach Reese has the frame for it, but <laughs> knowing how he likes to call plays, I think he has the mentality for it for sure. And just having the offensive coordinator who has that run-first mentality have that yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pass the ball as a compliment to the run. That's very reassuring to the office to an offensive line, especially ours. Like we want to we want to make people quit this year, and there's no better way to do it that rather than to run the ball. You know, so we're we're gonna run the ball this year. We're gonna pass the ball as well because we have a lot of talented guys at receiver. We have a lot of guys that can throw the ball very well. So just having that run first mentality as an offensive line that that just gets us going because we want to make people quit. All right, brother. So they want to make people quit on the field. <laughs> I mean, it's easier said than done, but, man, do they got the linemen to do it. Yeah, they do. With a new identity, new offensive coordinator, you know, this is what they're trying to do. But uh, this these comments should be scary to the rest of the SEC, you know what? Yeah, we didn't we didn't get to talk to a lot of Alabama guys up there, and, and, and that's one of, the one, one of the questions I wanted to ask is just how offended were you with, with some of that play last year? Because when your coach is coming out and saying we need to throw the ball – as an mm-hmm. offensive line, when it's a yard, when it's two yards, you're saying we can't get that? You can get that. This is Alabama, and it, and I think there's going to be a little pride, and, and you could kind of feel it with these comments here. The, these boys want to prove the world wrong. They want to they want to run the ball. They want to get back to that. Now, obviously, you're going to have to throw the ball, and, and you know, I mean, that's the, the day and age that we're in. But when it's one yard, two yard, you don't want to have to rely rely on a quarterback to, to make some kind of miraculous pass. Or, you know, you want to line up, <laughs> pin your ears back, and beat the shit out of whoever's in front of you. Yeah. All right, one last one. I swear this is not the Alabama show, Shane. But, like I said <laughs> – We'll never Next hear from guest, these Paul Feinbaum. Where's he at? <laughs> we'll never hear from these coordinators again. So I just wanted to play this clip specifically for you, buddy. Kevin Steele, the new defensive coordinator. I say new. He's been there three times now as yeah. an assistant. Now he's back. But uh, very interesting comments here, Shane. He, he didn't want to reveal much of anything in his entire press conference. But if you read between the lines, he's clearly talking about one team that they're prepping for already down there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, you touched on this a minute ago, but can you just speak a little bit more specifically about how much defense and college football has had to adjust the last 10, 12 years with fast break, spread, rule changes, all that? Right. Uh, it, it, is, it is a challenge defensively right now in terms of the, the tempo several years back kind of started the thing. Uh, and, and then the multiplicity of, of formations has gone off the roof in terms of that. Uh, you know, we even have people that if they spread out any further, they'd be on the sideline. They'd be on the bench. Uh, you know, they're, they're using the whole thing. And so uh, those kind of things that have happened. But then also the RPOs and then the look, that the eye candy that goes with that, uh, play action type stuff, where you've got pullers and running backs going opposite, which that's not – that's 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 going down the exit ramp you know all right Shane. so you bet your ass nick saban's <laughs> still fuming over the 50 plus he gave to josh heupel's tennessee vols last year and uh, i just thought you know based on what kevin Steele said i mean he basically outlined it here you know we are gunning for this offense that we had no answers for last season and uh you know that's part of the reason he's down there but uh is this scary at all when you hear Kevin Steele talking about well, – clearly he's talking about Josh Heupel's offense here. Well, yeah, and it's not just him. I mean, we're going to deal with a little bit more spread this year with some of the coaches we got. But, I, I you know, it's just like – like radars, man. You you know, the radars with the cops are trying to get you, catch you speeding. Well, then they come out with a radar detector. Well, then they come out with a nicer radar that, that they can detect those. You know, so they're just back and forth. It's the same concept with with these new offenses and defenses. They've been doing it for 
a hundred years, Mike, that there's some new new spin on things, and the yeah. defense tries to uh, find a way to figure it out. So yes, there there were going to be probably some more practices, you know, geared around some of this up tempo offense, these these spread offense like Tennessee. That like he said, you know, hell, they're almost on the bench. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're not used to that, or if you don't have practice for that during the year, well, people that are playing, not just Tennessee, hell, you may be going against name a team and they're looking at the tape that worked with Tennessee they're going to implement some of that so they're going to always take pieces and if you're not prepared they're going to bite you so uh yeah this is this is coach Steele man he he I'm not saying that he could stop it but I'm saying there's going to be ways to slow it down yeah all right Shane next let's kick it on down to Arkansas where our man Sam Pittman recently met with the media and Boy, they sound pretty fired up, Shane, about this receiving core. And you got to remember, last year it was basically the same situation here. Had to bring in all these transfers, didn't quite know what they had. And that's what we talked about all offseason is, man, what will they get out of these receivers that have not played here? Well, all they did, Shane, is they had two receivers finish in the top ten in the SEC in receiving yards. And I'm, I don't want to put that on these guys just yet. But they mm-hmm. sound pretty fired up with the guys they got down there in Fayetteville. The receivers and the guys who were younger, you know, uh, Jadon Wilson and that group, are going to be SEC-level receivers. And, but we watch Andrew Armstrong today. I'm, I was going to ask you about the receiving core, and then Andrew Armstrong just is making catches right now. Yeah, I think K.J. will be able to answer that better than I do, but but not right now. But he can answer it here in a minute. But um, he's fast and he's big. You know, it's kind of – I'm old D2 player, you know, where I was in AIA, but they're D2 now. Uh, it's kind of neat to bring a couple guys from Division Two ball that had – you know, they both, I think, had about 1,000 yards in catches. And then, you know, they developed later. And here comes Armstrong, and and uh, he's fast and big. We was talking about it actually on the golf cart right over here because um, he had made a catch in a, uh, from KJ in a two-minute drill. Um, and he just he's I think KJ really believes in him and those things. But you got him and Tesla and Tay. I was I was excited about Satagna. You know he did some good things. Day part of it was his blocking, his ability to go in there and, and mix it up. Um, but you know with Wilson and and Bakke and those guys, I I just feel like we're going to have a, a nice receiver core, and we certainly have the size uh, that we need out there. All right, Chase, so, I mean, shout out Andrew Armstrong, who I think they got at, like, Texas A&M Community College or something crazy yeah. like that. Isaac Tesla from uh, a, a small school. I don't even know where he, he played, but it was D2, I, I believe. And then I've been praising Satania. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for him. And, and in another clip here, Shane, he also talked about uh, they added an offensive lineman from Florida, Josh Braun, who was committed to Sam Pittman at Georgia. And then Sam Pittman got the Arkansas job, so Braun went to Florida. Now he's transferred in at Arkansas, and he sounds like he's plugged into to right guard to likely start for the Razorbacks. So, hey, I've said it many times before, Shane, and this is just a recent example. Yes, they give Lane Kiffin the Portal King title, but it really feels like Sam Pittman is that guy, and all his coaches, not just Sam Pittman, but it's the Arkansas Razorbacks that take these guys – and plug him in and get him playing their best football. And it sounds like they've done it on some key pieces here on their offense that they're going to need this year. Yeah, it's almost like it's, they're not bringing in question marks. They're bringing in plug-in plays, and and, and I, I love that. They continue to do that. That's going to help them in the future when they're in the portal talking to somebody saying, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to start you immediately. And, and yeah. they got a track record of showing that. So, yeah, Sam, Sam, Sam's cool, calm, and collective. I like that. I'd like to go on a golf cart ride with him. I don't think we both fit in the front. <laughs> but, you know, I still like to take around, you know, have some cold beers and talk about this football team. And Credit to the media team, brother. I, I don't know if you've been paying attention, and I don't know if I'm some sort of algorithm loop here, but I'm seeing just about every highlight that comes out of there. So I'm seeing these receivers. I'm seeing Rocket run over everybody. You know, nobody wants to tackle that big old bastard. You know, so uh, it's it's hard not to get excited about them Razorbacks. 
Yeah, uh, well, and another reason they're excited, Shane, on a defense, too. They're, they're hitting some key transfers. And uh, last thing for Pittman here, Shane, hyping up Jaheim Singletary, the former five-star that uh, they got from Georgia, Shane. Uh, I just thought Sam Pittman's uh, comments here were, were pretty great here. The way some people I know in Georgia were talking about Singletary, it was like, yeah, he's going to be real good, but he's he's real skinny. Uh, he was actually pretty – He's not pretty, skinny anymore. No, he's made quite a transformation. Nor am I, but, I mean, that's another <laughs> topic. He going to help you all this year? Absolutely. And no doubt in my mind he'll help us. And, uh, no, he's a big, thick guy, you know, that can run. And we didn't get him to develop. We'd, we were going to develop, but we got him. We need some help. So he got to get out there as quick as possible. And there's good battles going on at that corner spot. I, I really like the guys we have out there. And like I say, if some of them guys can develop, maybe we'll add a wing out of safety somewhere, you know, out of that group, which would help us. All right, Shane. So, <laughs> Sam Pittman fired up about Singletary. And, you know, they didn't bring him in here to develop. They came – they brought him in here to yeah. to contribute right away. And uh, that's, that's what they're going to need him for. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they they're working out depth on that side, you know. And, and he mentioned safeties. It's like you're gonna find a spot for these boys because they're gonna have to play. I mean, that's what hurt us last year, you know. Uh, the the yeah. injuries are getting banged up, especially in that secondary. So uh, you got to be ready to roll. <laughs> there is no wait. Yep. All right, Shane. Hey, little break from the action, real quick to remind the audience. We're brought to you by manscape shade head on over to manscaped.com slash sec podcast they're going to hook all our listeners up shane same promo code as game time sidekicks sec 20 percent off your entire order and free shipping and that's international shipping too over at manscaped.com shane college football is back trim up that beard with the beard (laughs) hedger pro kit shade and it comes with shampoo conditioner beard oil beard palm and a travel their travel case shane i mean i still had use a, it yeah i was supposed <laughs> to say we've had the travel case they sent us products a couple years ago i still use that product and i still use the travel case it, it really is high quality stuff and i've said it many times i continue to say it shane you want to help the podcast you need to get a gift for somebody here christmas right around the corner birthdays holidays what have you? Just get them a gift because you're supporting the podcast. Head on over to manscaped.com and look up the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. And don't forget to use that promo code chain SEC to get 20% off your entire order and free shipping over mm-hmm. at Manscaped. They say, I don't put conditioner in my beard. Well, have you ever tried it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch five percent alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion no need to settle for the usual twisted tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering on your favorite sec team twisted tea the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football keep it twisted well, I know who does if he had one, Shane, is uh, old Jimbo Fisher down here at College Station. Oh, man. So, Jimbo, again, people are reading into, you know, it, it was admittedly kind of awkward at, at media days and, and leading up to it. But mm-hmm. now that season's here, you know, it seems like he's let his guard down a little bit here. And I just thought these comments he had about Bobby Petrino and how, you know, it seems like a – mutual respect all the way around yeah and the more i hear the more fired up i get about this texas a&m football team let's kick it over to jimbo talking bobby petrino and the thought process on bringing him in what are the qualities that bobby petrino has that made you want him on your staff and how do you think he will help your team this year we've been very productive 
as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator, and also philosophically a lot of the things he believes and how he looks at the game and the way we did. Like I said, we've known each other a long time. I mean, and studied each other's film a long time. Uh, scheme, schematics, run game, bat, and he has balance. I mean, it's not just all throw. It's not it's all pass. It's a balanced attack that attacks and can use different weapons and has done it in times. He's had great tight ends. He's used he great backs. Very similar in philosophical uh, nature and a very proven guy who has a great mind for the game and does a great job teaching and uh, getting great production. I mean, I've always had a lot of respect for him, even and we've, we've been known each other for a long time. All right, Shay. So, I mean, again, I don't know how anybody can hear these comments and sit here and say – uh-oh, trouble a brewing down there yeah. in College Station. But people are doing it regardless. I mean, is that just – you think they just already had that in their head and they won't let it go, or what's the deal? No, I, I think Jimbo's finally listening to this damn podcast, Mike. And, <laughs> and if I could zoom in and tell him, hey, this is how you answer it. Because if you keep answering it like Bobby's just the greatest, he, you know, he kind of – he kind of hesitated to say friend. Say friend. Who cares? You say that, these beat writers ain't going to ask you every fucking time that you're up here on the air. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. just give them what they want. We're friends. We go out. We eat barbecue together. You do that, then there's no problem. There's no beef between you and Bobby Petrino, and we can move on and never have to ask this question again, you know? So, yeah. yes, just keep coming out in harmony saying these types of things i guarantee you the, the dust will settle and then all of a sudden people don't care who's coaching the ball they just want to know how many points we're going to win by saturday yep and then one other thing from jimbo shane i just thought this was incredibly well said but obviously last year they had to play a lot of young players but they were touting up at number one class so you kind of expected it but late in the season it was just injuries and suspensions and and things of that nature. They had to play so many freshmen, including Connor Wigman and, and many others, Evan Stewart, many, many others. But, uh, you know, I thought this was really well said because it, it – and I see it everywhere, Shane, where if a freshman who's hyped up comes in and doesn't live up to the billing, a lot of these fans and a lot of this media, Shane, they're ready to throw this damn guy yeah. away. He can't play. He never will play. Here's Jimbo on, on walking that fine line. You don't want to put a young player into the game unless they're able to handle what you're going to ask them to do because otherwise they get eaten up alive in today's landscape. As you know, looking back at last year, did you did you play more freshmen than you wanted to or were you playing so many freshmen because you needed well, to? Well, it's a compromise. Some they were the, they were the best athletes. Some it was you had injuries and you had to. And then, like you say, it's like Connor. You bring Connor in a situation when he's ready for a situation. You want to bring all freshmen when they're ready because what you never want to destroy in an athlete's confidence. You never want to put him in a compromising position. You say, well, he's got ability, but is he ready to play? And just because he's athletic doesn't mean he can play well. Just because he plays well doesn't mean he can play winning football. There's a difference. And you want to put those guys at those points when you feel they're ready and watch them by the consistency in which they play. Just because a guy does something, goes back to that philosophy, you don't practice it till you do it right. You practice it till you can't do it wrong. And there's guys who can make plays. There's guys on the street that can make plays. But how many times in a row can they do it? Can they do it when they're tired? Can they do it in the fourth quarter? Can they do it in the biggest moments? Can they do it and understand that the momentum changes in the game and where you, where you have to really execute on, on every – you want to execute on every job, but understanding how to change the momentum of games. And so when you put a freshman in, it has nothing to do with his ability. But now, if you're forced to, you're forced to. If you want, you want to put them where you think they can handle the situation because when they fail – it ain't failing like it used to be 30 years ago. They get destroyed. They get destroyed by y'all. They get destroyed by social media. They get destroyed by the fans. And whether you think that affects them or not, it does. It, it drastically does. And what they read about themselves, because that's their world today. So you can destroy a young player much faster than you can make him. And you got to be very careful. So you're talking about playing freshmen. You want to play them when you think they're ready to handle what you're asking them to handle. That still allows you to win the game. Now, also, Shane, I mean, I think it's fair, and I've heard fans talk about this but uh, clearly with nil you know it's legal pay for play is what it really is and so maybe there's going to be more of this to where people demand you know you come in and you play and you do well like i know we're we're hyped up on nico right but right god forbid if he comes out in his first game and he and he's not that good he's gonna get torn apart you know yeah. and, and it may not even be tennessee fans it may just be the rest of the SEC said, "Oh, they paid what for this guy? You yeah. know, it's gonna, it will never end." And and we have, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these old timers saying I wish it was like back in the day. Yeah, but I think Jimbo's a hundred percent right. Where 
we gotta we gotta consider all this, man. And and things are warp speed now. Patience is at a minimum. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of rambling here, but it's, yeah. it's it's an interesting I, time. It is, and it's it's tough as a fan. It's it's not your job to to co- to pet these guys. You know what I'm saying? This is the coach's right. position. This is uh, financial advisors. I'm sure they have. That's their position. But there obviously there's expectations. But a lot of these kids are used to the spotlight already. By the time they make a Division one, I, I mean they've been in the spotlight their entire you know college high school career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and again, it's at a bigger stage clearly when you're at College Station, but. Um, but you can you can break an athlete if you demand too much too soon because some kids don't develop at the pace that you need them to, uh, you know. And, and some positions need to be kind of marinated a little bit before you just throw them out there in the frying pan. And, and what, what prime example? I'm looking at Bo Nix. You know how how yeah. much? I mean, I guarantee Hugh Freeze give his left nut to have him down there. You know, <laughs> down throwing football in Auburn right now. But now he's up here in in, in Oregon making a name yeah. for himself and potentially the first quarterback drafted in the NFL. So Bo Nix is no better in Oregon than he was in Auburn. It's just he was expected to do more sooner and didn't right. get that opportunity to develop, especially with a coach that could develop him. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I'm I'm pumping the brake on some of these young kids. Some of them can handle it you know they're just born for it but there are a handful of these guys that you just got to be patient with and if you are you'll it'll pay you it'll pay dividends in the long run you know what i would do shana this this would never fly so this is just a fantasy but shout out stinson bennett who you know he's this is what he did during football season and i I feel like every freshman that gets to these campuses Mm -hmm. you know say can i please surrender your phone here's a flip phone and just take us for a year (laughs) and it would probably help tremendously you know what but again i I realize that would never happen it's it's hard i know these kids they this is their life man i've got a i got a teenager and and it's kind of crazy. How would that go over, Shane, if you took took her phone and said, here's a flip phone? Would that fly? I just told you we didn't have power for four hours. I <laughs> I, I thought we were going to lose her. I did. <laughs> Brought her back to life twice, you know? <laughs> She's coming out like a vampire looking at the sun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, these kids, they're just, this is this. Snapchats. I can't keep up with all of them. They got all these different yeah, platforms yeah. that they do. But, it, it, you know, it's funny. Even, even after COVID. Because you got to remember, these are COVID kids. A lot of them, you know, had to stay in their house for a year and stuff like that. You know, so they got used to this online presence and stuff. And it's funny because my daughter, she's she's messaging a girl that lives literally next door to us. And I'm like, why don't you just go over there? She's like, <laughs> no, she's Snapchatting. Back. It's like, I don't, I don't understand, but that's what these kids are. So it's tough for them to stay. I get it. You'd love to give them a flip phone and tell them just to, just to ignore it. But it, it is tough because it's a big part of their lives. Yeah. And I can translate that to SEC football, Shane. One thing that I heard, I didn't plan on talking Florida Gators, but their new defensive coordinator uh, Armstrong, he's he's 29, so he's you know he's very close to uh, the players' age, at least mm-hmm. closer than most coaches. And his method, Shane, usually these players go into 45 minute meetings and, and yeah. they take notes and they watch film. He says that that we cannot do that anymore. So the way he does it, 15 minute meetings, yeah. and they go out on the practice practice field and do 15 minute walkthrough, and then they go back in and do 15 minutes of film and back yeah. out. And they do that three times instead of a 45-minute meeting because uh, people just, especially young people, do not have the attention span to sit still for 45 minutes. And, uh, again, that's not – I mean, they're not going to win the national championship because of this, but, hell, I mean, it's it's interesting, and and he may be on to something there. It's not just him, man. My old ass is – I can't make it through a movie anymore. You know, I'll be sitting there <laughs> looking at my phone. Next thing, I'm, I'm looking to see what Mike tweeted, and, and I go down a rabbit hole, and I am look up, and I'm like, how did he die? You know? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I feel you, man. It's a different, it's a different generation. You, you, you just – you lose these kids after so long, but I don't even right. know how we got down. I'm about to put my Papa glasses on and tell you how it changed – how we do things when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, Shane. They're not doing old school up in Kentucky with Liam Cohen and Devin Leary. 
uniting here for the first time. Of course, uh, Liam Cohen's been at Kentucky, and, and he was a big reason why Will Levis got drafted, and he'll probably be a big reason why Devin Leary gets drafted in the next upcoming draft, Shane. Uh, I, I thought these comments were fantastic from Liam Cohen, our outstanding offensive coordinator here, on Devin Leary. What a junkie he is. He's such a junkie for film and all this, Shane. He's watching hard knocks from five, six years ago. <laughs> and on the unlimited potential of Kentucky's quarterback, if I'm a Wildcats fan, I'm fired up as hell listening to these comments. <laughs> What's that relationship been like? <laughs> yeah, he's great. De- Devin, um, he's got a great way about him. He just has a really nice way of connecting with people just so naturally. Um and he's a really high football IQ kid. He loves the game. He studies the game. He, like last night, I called him on my way home. He was watching 2017 or 2016 LA Rams Hard Knocks. Just ran, I'm like, well, how did you come to that? And I just, you know, ended up coming across it. I'm like, he's just, he's he's all ball, but extremely relatable to his peers, while also his coaches and. Um, and also, he's talented. He's talented, so it makes it fun to really work with somebody like that. Coach, he seems like he's a born leader. Is that right? Very natural. Not rah-rah, not always out in front having to be the guy to speak and, um, and be that kind of person. But he leads by example. He leads by the way he approaches the game. And like you said, that's natural. Well, to come through with his injury. Yeah. To come back. Yeah. It, he's a leader. Oh, there's no question. He... He worked that he wasn't even really supposed to be throwing when the doctor said, Hey, when we're going to do this thing, we don't even know when you're going to be able to throw again. And it just, he worked so tirelessly to get to the point that he got to. Um, and he's throwing the ball even better than he did this spring. And he feels extremely strong. He's had a couple freak injuries throughout his career. I don't think he's a soft tissue, injury prone kid. I just think he's had some unfortunate. Um, issues that have come up that have really driven him to become the player that he is. Potential unlimited. I think so. I really do. I mean, if we can keep him upright, we got a chance. All right, Shay, but hey, this is what you're getting. I know we just said, hey, let's not hype everybody up, but it's different when we're talking a high school guy coming to college for the first time as opposed to someone that has been a standout in major college football I realize the ACC is not the highest level of competition like the SEC, but, hell, there have been many quarterbacks from that league to come into this and perform incredibly well, and it's yeah. more about the, the pieces around him. And, and we all, we've all we been talking about it at nauseum. Kentucky is potentially loaded. If yeah. they can get this O-line right and if Leary can stay healthy, man, I, I don't know. I, we keep saying it, but I don't think people are really understanding how good Kentucky can be this fall. Yeah, it's like we. I feel like hot man, you know. I I feel like why why are we having to promote? Why we're looking at the coaches poll? And they're not top twenty five to get Kentucky. Yeah, I I think after four weeks, brother, that they're gonna sh- you talk about a team shooting up this list. This is them, and they're gonna see it right and early because it's they got an easy schedule right out of the gate. Everybody knows yep. this, but they mm-hmm. got an opportunity, man, to 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 highlight the the quarterback that they have, which I think they'll do. They're gonna work. They're gonna stretch the field, brother. Kentucky's gonna be fun to watch again. So just 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 be ready. We're warning you right now. Yep. All right, final team to hit on real quick here, Shane. Ole Miss, Relaine Kiffin whispered into a microphone down here in Oxford. But uh, I keep hearing buzz, Shane, about this true freshman receiver, Aiden Williams. Yeah. And Kiffin was asked about him. He said, you bet your ass I'm not going to rat poison my own <laughs> freshman here. This is a name to know. Could be the, the breakout star of Ole Miss roster, Aiden Williams. Let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin. He's whispering. Be ready. We can see just from the time we've been out there that obviously Aiden Williams is is really gifted. Um, Obviously, there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into being a good receiver at this level. I'm curious where he's at kind of mentally and maybe in in some of the things that are more in the margins. Yeah, I'd kind of rather you guys just report about how great he is, you know, so I can keep him humble and keep him working. Um, But you guys see what I see, so... Um, still got a lot of work to do, but 
you can report what you see there. You're talking. I'm not going to rat poison my own freshman. There you go. Um, at, at SEC Media Day, you were talking about you know the stuff that Quinshawn needs to work on with tons like footwork, and and when we talked to Quinshawn about it. He was talking about trying to be an all around back um, this year. When talk when talking about that, is that more just his ability as a receiver, or just trying to work him into you know way into the system where he can be used more as a receiver, if needed? Yeah, I think in year two with players, you know, you take a next step, and everybody says that you know, okay, the players got to get better at these little things, but you can also take the next step in doing more things and whether that's a quarterback or a running back, you know, and you can use a guy more in the passing game, things that in my opinion, when you first get him, you don't want to do all that because then you never really get good at just being the normal running back. So um, we are looking at some things with him and he's uniquely gifted for a bigger, you know, stocky guy that he can play in the passing game, which a lot of times is not the case. (laughs) All right. So again, Shane, we're needing receivers to step up. Mm-hmm. It's always dangerous to rely on a true freshman. I'm not sitting here saying he'll be day one, number one receiver, but you know he'll be in the in the rotation early based on what I'm hearing uh, in camp down there at Ole Miss. So that's interesting. But what I knew you'd be fired up about is new ways to get Judkins the ball. Let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin one more time on his All-American running back. Jenkins and, and how his role could be in should be increasing this fall. <laughs> he ain't afraid to spread a little rat poison on this one, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he knows Jenkins what he yeah. can do, what he can handle. And to your point, Shane, you were the first one I heard say this. You know, the Heisman hype. It's very difficult for a running back to get it, but this is how it's going to happen, Shane, where you got to do more things. You got to catch the ball, right. you, you know, touchdowns in a variety of way. He'll probably throw a touchdown this year, Shane. They're, yeah. they're mixing everything up. But uh, this is what I want to hear because Lane Kiffin is just a master at knowing who is the best player and finding ways to get him the ball that the defense does not see coming. And he's going to be the key to potentially Ole Miss upsetting some people this fall. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about a tool, just not giving him the ball, the attention that he's going to receive moving around in that backfield. I mean, if you put him out in the flats and put him in motion out there, you're going to scare the shit out of some linebacker. I guarantee you right now, you're going to be bumping that head. Come on, I need some help over here. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Well, brother, that's all I got on this episode of the show. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, uh, this is, again, more football content. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love power. I love electricity. I want to thank I want to thank all the Appalachian Electric out there for getting this podcast out today, even though they're not a sponsor of this show. <laughs> Could not you imagine? Yet. You know, it's, it's like we're able to do this show and go around the SEC and talk about these teams like, like – you know, not in the 30s. You know what I'm saying? Like, you scooch up to a radio as a family. There was no That SEC Podcast coming on, you know? So, yeah. I, I was just thinking how great that is. We're able to get this news and content out to you, and we're going to have more of it this week. So, be sure to subscribe to That SEC Podcast on YouTube. Turn those notifications on, and as soon as we get some content, we're going to send it right to you. Yeah, I can't thank everybody enough, Shane. The numbers are climbing they're going crazy everybody's tuning in everybody's fired up for some sec football we can't wait but i just want to say thanks as always shane for toughing it out joining the show appreciate (laughs) all the cousins out there for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one all right see you guys go balls Buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.